0: Welcome to 831 Living Your Best Life podcast, and I'm Jungle Jim Hunter, and I want to thank you for joining me. This is my first ever show, and it is so exciting. I have been wanting to do this for a long time, but really didn't have the impetus to do it until Chris and Chuck and Martin came along. And there are three friends of mine that encouraged me to do this and said that I used to listen to your radio show, and we think you should do this again, and this is a time to do it. And I think it's the right time to do it. And I'm looking forward to being with you every Monday to Friday. I will be on the podcast every day. I might miss a few days here and there, but the goal is to be on there every day to empower you and to inspire you to live your best life. Go to your favorite podcast provider to download it and uh, please subscribe and click on like and let us know how we can help you. Well, for my first podcast, I wanted to tell you why 831 Living Your Best Life and what it's all about. My mom didn't say much, but when she did, you best listen. I had a concussion when I was 10 years of age and lay in a coma for a long time. And with the miraculous help of doctors and nurses, I recovered eventually. And my mother would come into the hospital and she taught me how to write with my left hand. I used to write with my right. But my hand would shake after the accident, and it wouldn't work. And so I learned to write with my left, and ever since, I've written with my left hand. She also taught me to journal, because my memory was horrible, and I couldn't remember things. I can still hear her say, record, review, and redirect daily. And every night, I still look at my journal and see what I did that day, what I wrote down, what I learned, and how I can be better tomorrow. She also brought me a book written in 1932 by Dorothea Brand called Wake Up and Live. And it was my self-help book of the time. I, I just, to this day, it still has such a big impact on me. I wanted to become a ski racer and I persuaded my parents to let me pursue at 12 years of age after only skiing five days in Big Mountain and Whitefish, Montana, that I wanted to be an Olympic skier. And so my mother made this horrendous, incredible sacrifice. She came to Calgary, lived alone, got a job at the Foothills Hospital. And on the weekends, we would drive back to the farm where the dairy farm was, where my dad was taking care of the cows to be with my dad and to do the farm work. We made 30 trips a year for three years, 600 miles round trip. We'd leave Friday at three o'clock, and we would drive, and I would sleep in the back seat, and my, my brother would sleep in the back seat. She'd stop at A&W and get us a hamburger and a root beer, and then we would sleep the rest of the way. And when we arrived at about ten o'clock, ten thirty, Dad would give us our assignments, and we'd jump on the tractors and the trucks or whatever needed to be done, and we'd be out in the field, and we would work all night, all the next day till midnight. Sunday, go to bed at midnight get up in the morning, go to church, have family dinner together, and drive back. And that was our lives, all so I could become a ski racer. The sacrifice is amazing that she made. When we would get to the farm, she would ride with dad or get on an implement just like we did, and she would drive all night as well after working all week. I wasn't doing very good in school, and I was failing in school here in Calgary, and She would give me books to read on the tractor inside a plastic bag, and I would read them night and day. I guess I could say that I really was the original distracted driver. Once I made the national team, I started speaking. And about 15 years of age, I would go and speak, and I would do these speeches that she would help me write, and she would sit at the back of the room with a legal-sized pad and a clipboard and make shorthand notes and then tell me what I did. You said, um, 89 times. You said, you know, 45 times and you repeated yourself in the second story. Did you know that? And then she would calmly change the direction and tell me that I told a great story. I owe my speaking ability and what I do as a speaker and as a communicator to all of those notes that she made and taught me. She also taught me Robert's service. And the fact that he would sit at the end of the bar and he would write poetry rather than be panning for gold. And he made more money sitting on the end of the bar entertaining these miners than he ever did panning for gold. And she had me memorize his poems and they inspired me. And I, to this day, still remember Spell of the Yukon. I wanted the gold and I sought it. I scrabbled and mucked like a slave. Was it famine or scurvy? I fought it. I hurled my youth into a grave. And I used to repeat that poem to myself that I wanted the gold and I sought it. I journaled. And towards the end of her life, she died young. She asked me to take out my journals and fill out a ledger. In the ledger, I had to put the year, the name of the person or the organization, the activity, the time, and what it was worth, the miles that I drove or traveled, and the impact it had on me. She wanted to know. All the people that had helped me and how many there was. When I finished, she said, Tell me the numbers. So I did. I said, 1 million volunteer hours, 2.54 million miles that I traveled by plane, automobile, or train, $2.2 million of support. And I had visited 33 different countries. Then she looked at me and she said, Son, Do you know that the average Canadian from age 25 to 65 earns $2 million? They travel to Europe once in their lifetime and you used to go 10 times a year? I need you to write, phone, or visit in person and thank every one of them. I set about doing the task. First of all, finding them and then taking the time to either phone them or write them or go and visit them. And thank them for what they did for giving me the best life ever. I did that. And when it was completed, just last year, I wrote the book, One Kind Thing. 831 People Who Made a Difference. I put that book aside and thought about it and wondered what I could do with it. And then, well, COVID happened. And so it started to... just kind of well up inside of me that I should do something with it. You see, I had a grade seven education and after my ski racing in 1981, I applied for the job of manager of the Olympic Torch Relay for the 1988 Olympic Winter Games. And I made a presentation when my interview called the fire and the flame, which was mom's favorite speech that I did. It was only seven minutes long and up against 77 other applicants who all had university degrees, I was given the job. My motivation was to raise that $2.2 million and give it back because mom had told me to not die with my music still in me and to play all of my music and help as many as I could. The Olympic Torch Relay Legacy Fund raised $32 million and today that legacy fund goes on in scholarships every year to coaches and athletes that are representing our country in the Olympic Games. I end my speeches all the time telling my mom's story and made the offer to help anyone in the audience who would write me, call me, or show up at my front door. And since that time, 1,013 kids, 600 families have gone through my doors. Each kid has exceeded his goals. 19 different sports. I never taught the sport, not once. I taught them to become first responders. What do I mean? I was taught to be a first responder. How do you respond the first time something happens? Be ready to step forward, step up, and step in, to be ready to be the best of the best of the best. And if you're not at that level, then you're not a first responder. Every kid that I worked with became a first responder, a leader. Five years ago, I did research asking over 5,000 parents what were the most important things their kids needed. Same answer, different order every time. The things they needed, I never taught. I didn't teach the 1,013 kids I worked with any of these three things. And so I expanded the list and I asked another 4,000 parents and I said, give me the 10 top things. And not once was what I taught the kids that I worked with on the top 10 list. And I said, we have a problem. I want to teach what my mother taught me, how to be a first responder, how to be somebody that steps forward, steps up and steps in to the situation because you're willing to prepare. What is 831 living your best life? It's being the best you can be to become the best of the best. It's seeing somebody in need and being able to provide them with what you have to offer. You see, we need each other. And after my brain concussion, I needed help. And people stepped in and helped me, and I never asked them for it. I never once said it. Even to my mother, I never once would come to her and ask her because she always seemed to anticipate what I needed. And that's what 831 is all about. It's the 831 people that help me. But it's also the fact that the average person meets between 8 and 31 people every day. And you can be a first responder every time by stepping forward, stepping up, and stepping into their lives and providing kindness. That's right. Kindness. Just be kind. Just do something nice for them and make their life better. Every time I did, they paid me back. I only cite one example to end this first podcast. I needed a parent to drive me to the ski hill. And there were two older skiers on the Ski Meister Ski Club, Dave and Don Gill. One of them was going to be a doctor. He became a doctor. And the other one was an engineer. But they were still ski racing as they were going to university. And Mrs. Gill stepped up and said, I will drive you to the ski hill every time you need to go to the ski hill and race. My mom had to work. My mom went to the farm, and my dad was at the farm, and I had nobody to take me to the ski races. But Mrs. Gill did so because the very first time I got in her car, I paid her That's right. My mother and my father made me calculate what the value was of me riding in their car, going to the mountain, and I could not get in anybody's car unless they took the money. Now, Mrs. Gill didn't want the money, and most of the time, she bought food and gave it back to me. But the fact that I offered, she stepped up, stepped forward, and stepped into my life and made ski racing possible. I hope you'll join me here on 831 Living Your Best Life as we tell the stories and we tell you what we've learned and what you can do to be a first responder and live your best life ever. I'm Jungle Jim Hunter and I thank you for joining me on this podcast. See you next week.